So we'll begin reading in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty, the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. And like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all, are they not all ministering spirits? sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Let's pray. Again, Lord, we thank you for your, your word. We pray that you would have it do its work as we hear to the word preached, as we gather together for means of grace for a time when you have promised that there is great blessing in this. When, when we can't find windy places in the world, you tell us where to go, where your spirit blows. And it's here in your word. It's here in your church. It's in prayer in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. It's in the sacraments of the Lord's Supper and baptism. Lord, it's in your body. It's in your words by your spirit. So you give us special blessings in special ways and special places. So be with the preaching of your word, particularly now as your people are gathered together to hear and to conform and to humble our knees and bow to what you tell us to do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is one of those sermons where the point of the passage, it's always sermons 
The point of a sermon is supposed to be the point of the passage. The point of the passage is to be the point of the sermon. So you can take a sermon and you can say, all right, here's something, and now let's run with it. And you can have a whole sermon that's not really the point of the passage. So you have to be searching for the point of the passage. You know, what's the point that the Holy Spirit is making through his word? And it's pretty easy here because this is one of those times in scripture where you're just told what to do. And so what we have to do is just say, all right, are we doing it? How do we do it better? What does he mean by what he's saying? And it's not that hard to see. The point here is we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. We must. So we have to kind of think about that and just say, all right, if we, don't, if we just leave with that, you know, we, we have to pay much closer attention to what we've heard. We have to pay much closer attention to what we've heard. Taekwondo classes, we had this thing. Focus your eyes, focus your mind, focus your body. Sir, yeah, that's what you get the kids. They're all over the place. Focus your eyes. Focus your mind. Focus your body. So these things you know, work together and then come to attention. And they kind of liked doing that, a little ritual and stuff. And it's fun. But it's true that we have to make sure. Where are our eyes focused? What are we looking at? Literally and metaphorically. Focus your mind. What are you thinking about? Where is your head? And then focus your body. Where is your what are you doing with your body? Where are you? What are you doing? All these things. Where are you looking? What are you thinking? What are you, what are you, what are you watching? What are you thinking about? And what are you doing? But he says we have to pay much closer attention to what we've heard. To what we have heard. So just hearing is not enough. We have to pay close attention to it. And what's he talking about? What is the what we have heard? What have we heard? You know, so if you go back to, if he's just talking about chapter 1, then what you have heard is the greatness of Jesus Christ. And surely that's at least part of what he's talking about. So we need to pay much better, closer attention to the greatness and grandeur and glory of Jesus Christ. Much greater attention to that. But I think as we see in the book of Hebrews, he's talking about just, he's also talking about, I hate to say he's talking about more than Jesus, but he's talking about more than just his superiority to the prophets and, the, and to the, the angels. And he's going to go on and talk about more things that he's superior to. He's talking about the gospel. He's talking about salvation. He's talking about the good news of Jesus Christ and all these things that it means that we have to pay much closer attention to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have to ask ourselves, are we paying close attention to it at all? close attention to it i would think if you're in a church you're paying some attention to it um, think about the news some people pay attention to it some people pay close attention to it one of the things i think is terrible in our world is the fact that we have shut-ins who are always shut in who are elderly and and they you know they might give us a hard time about having phones but they have great big giant screens in front of them and most of the time when you go into people's homes what's on i mean it used to be soap operas and my grandfather was like 
oh my goodness, I remember my grandmother, I shouldn't tell these things, I guess, but she watched soap operas, and I'd be there as a young fella, and the soap opera would be on, and my grandfather was all the way at the back of the room in his recliner, kicked back, reading the paper or the Bible or something, and um, all of a sudden there'd be some kissing and stuff that would start taking place, and my granddaddy would go, hope, fly in hoverboats. They'd fly up there, he'd, brook, 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 where are you watching? <laughs> It's like, you know, we don't pay attention to that kind of thing. Um, so now it's, but they didn't have CNN. You know, that was the first thing. And it's like, well, you know, now we've got news, 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 news. All the news you could ever want. And so when I go to the old people's houses, a lot of times that TV's on and it's nothing but the news. And it's always one station. Now, it's not always the same station wherever you go, but they, they're loyal to their stations. And so you're going to get whatever way that the way the world want, that world wants you to view things that's what you're going to get and that's all you're going to get so i got some people i go visit and it's like they think the end of the world is coming because donald trump is evil and wicked and it's the worst thing ever in this whole world it's like where do you get this from the news okay and then you go to the next house and they're like donald trump is the salvation of our world it's like where do you get this from you know the news it's like uh are you in the word of God? And to their credit, we have many older people in our church that are in the word of God. So, it, so when I go in and I can say things, and I get caught up in these things too, but as you say things such as, well, you know, we're not supposed to be so judgmental of people. We're supposed to be praying for those in authority. God's actually the one who's in control. They know you're taking them back to the word. You're taking them back to the word. And that's what has to happen. You got to pay much more. We have to pay much more attention to to this. And it's not just stuff like that. It's things that are fun. They just bring your attention from it. It can be family. A lot of times we pay so much attention to our children that we neglect the gospel. Pay so much attention to our grandchildren, great-grandchildren, we neglect the gospel. We pay so much attention to our elderly parents, we neglect the gospel. And what he's saying is we have to be very, very careful about this because what can happen? Because in these distractions, he says that we might drift away from it. And it's one of those Greek words that's kind of cool. It's just one word in Greek, drift away from. It doesn't say, and it's not clear, is it saying we will drift away from it or that it will drift away from us? And I, I believe with a lot of other people that when you do see that in a, in a language um, that is aware of how that sounds. There are ways to make that clear, and they, the author did not use that way. So it's kind of there to make you think both ways. So it might drift away from you, or you might drift away from it. Either way, Einstein's theory of relativity, you're drifting away from it. It doesn't matter which one's moving. The distance is becoming greater because you weren't paying attention. You were neglecting it. And we're going to talk a little bit about, about what that means, too. But then he goes on, he says, and if you have King James, it talks about letting it slip, slip away. He says, so if this happens, we neglect it, it we drift away from it, this, this great salvation, then how can we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? So we see the opposite of paying closer attention is neglect and if you've seen something like a house well it's fallen into neglect 
Okay, that's not good. In order to, if somebody, if you've been to somebody's house and it's falling into great neglect, somebody has to go in and unneglect it. You got to go in and pay close attention to it. You have to go in and 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 pay attention to what's going on. And again, think about older people. Sometimes older people's eyesight is not so good. So when you go to their houses, then some older people can be very meticulous about their homes. Um, but when their eyesight's failing, they might not see dust. They might not see certain things. So it's not that they're not paying attention. It's that they can't see. So somebody else needs to be in there saying, let me, let me get this for you. Let me get this for you. Because you know, somebody needs to be there paying attention because neglect is a terrible thing. Neglect of children. It's a, you neglect your children. There, no, nothing tends to get better through the word neglect. Now, you might leave something alone and it get better. You know, like I have a sore on my arm and you keep picking at it. You know, but what you're doing then is neglecting the fact that it can heal itself if you leave it. I don't actually have one. I just, I do have a place right here, though, that I always got injured a long time ago. It's this car there. But I didn't keep picking at it or never would have healed. You have to not, you can pay so much attention to something that you're neglecting the wisdom of it. And so you have to be careful of what we're doing but neglecting such a great salvation is the opposite of paying closer attention to it and then what's it say that how are we going to escape such a great salvation and it escape from what and we see it back in the previous verse it says a just retribution in the ESV it's called a just retribution um, the, the word means equitable justice um, what you're escaping is um, just payback. You are, what you are escaping is not that you're going to be treated worse than you deserve. It's that you're going to be treated exactly as you deserve. And that is far worse than you imagine. And he says, we go to the Old Testament and these things are written for our um, instruction. And we see that God did not overlook a lot of transgressions. That it received its just retribution. There were times when people received mercy, but it was because of Jesus Christ. There were times when people received grace, but it was because of repentance and faith. Just like in our days today. But he makes this point. In verse 2. Since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation and so we have to remember exodus numbers deuteronomy joshua all these things that are happening as god's people even are to go into the promised land but by neglect of belief of neglect of faith they fall and they go into the wilderness and they die generation dies in the wilderness um He's saying, don't think that we will escape such things as this. So unless we think we're off track here, or Hebrews is sort of saying something the rest of the Bible doesn't say, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. A letter of Paul to a, the church at Corinth at the time that had fallen into lots of, of serious um, problems. And he writes this letter to set these things straight. So just listen to what Paul says in the context of what we're being told um, in the book of Hebrews. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to read um, beginning of verse 1. I want you to know, brothers, 
that our fathers were all under the cloud. Now he's going back to the Old Testament talking about these things. And they all passed through the sea and they all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual fruit and all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ. <coughs> Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and to drink and they rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. <coughs> And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, free, flee from idolatry. Flee from things that take away your attention from the word of God and from God. Flee from those things. Pay much closer attention to the Lord, to his word. Pay much closer attention to these things. And Paul is saying, because you can fall away. The author of Hebrews is saying, you can drift away. He's even going further than that. He's saying, pay much closer attention unless you would drift away. Because this is what tends to happen. And as he says later, don't neglect the meeting of your assembling of yourselves together, as is the habit of some. But encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So, we have to pay much closer attention. Now, the point is going to be simple today. The point is we had to pay much closer attention. So I hope what we do when we leave from here is that we would pay much closer attention. And you might be saying, eh, I pay pretty close attention. Okay, pay closer attention. You can always pay closer attention. It's apparently the more we can see smaller and smaller and smaller, there's more and more to see in the, in the world. I mean, it's always something that makes up something else. It's hard to you know, did we finally find the smallest thing? You know, and then we go out bigger and bigger and bigger. And unbelievable. We can't imagine the enormity of things that God has created. So the more you pay attention, even into the vastness of space, the more you go into a small detail of it, you see more. The smaller you go into our universe, the more you see there. And the more you go into the word of God, the more you will see there. You'll never plumb the depths of your knowledge of God in an eternity in heaven. You'll never plumb the depths because he's infinite. And that's going to be glorious. Who wants to run out of stuff to discover and stuff to be excited about? 
But this drifting away thing, you have to, what imagery comes to your mind as you think about drifting away? Um, have you ever had a boat get away from you or a float? Or, um, you know, you're out on the, we used to go out on the lake or the river and, you know, you've got a little flotation device out there with you and you're not paying attention to it and it's gone. Um, you're on the ocean and you're out there swimming and playing and frolicking and blah, 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 worried about sharks. And you look and it's like you're way down here now. It's like there's, you used to be, you know, where's your people at? You know, um, I was not going to talk about it. And I knew as I thought about it, there was no way I wasn't going to say it. So I'm not going to say it. I'm going to exercise self-control. But it's this song, Shannon is gone. She's drifting out to sea. Remember that? I hated that song. It made me cry. So... Deep sea fishing, ride that I stole from my father one time. I didn't steal it. I just used it. Um, it was up in the attic, big old deep sea fishing thing. And uh, got it. I was probably, who knows how I was, old enough to know better, too young to know better. And I got out there, and I was fishing, say 10 years old, 8 years old, and um, put it out there, fishing for catfish, put a stick on it, so it sit there, and just watch for the stream to go. And it's like, it got boring fast. I mean, fishing's fun, but catching fish is what makes fishing fun. So it's like, after a while, it's like, and I don't know what I was doing, but I know this, I had neglected that ride, and I had gone too far over one direction, and as I just happened to glance over towards it, it said, wait! It started going out. No! It's just like gone. Drifted away from neglect, lack of attention. So didn't tell my daddy about that one. For, that's one of those things you say when you moved away and you're back from college or something. Remember that time? Did I ever tell you? So that's one of the things I think about with that too. But just in case Gary Daywalt happens to watch, it's like fishing and watching the cork. You don't pay attention to it, and it takes your bait. You know, it's the thing. You had to pay attention. You had to pay close attention to these things. And the gospel can be like that. You're not paying attention to it. Something happens, and you, you, you were not there when you needed to be. It's some, Satan got you. Your flesh got you. The world got you. Um, you were led astray. We're easily led astray. We're easily deceived. Deception is deceiving. Don't think that all temptation comes. It's like, you must now rob a bank. I'm not going to do that. You know, it's going to be so more subtle than that. It'll be something like, you know, don't, you know, I wouldn't, um, don't put that in on your taxes. You know, something, you know, subtle. Uh, you know, you don't have to pay that person. They didn't understand that. I mean, you ever have anybody give you a $100 bill and change and, and it's supposed to be like a five or a 10? Nobody's going to admit that. I did. I felt most holy and sanctimonious when I went back and returned the $100 bill. But it was like, in one of my better moments, it was just guilt. It was like, you know, he owed me 10 and it was 100 And I was like, oh! I was like I can't. you gave me 100 And so, you know, you can't it'd be, it'd have been easy to say, you know, if God meant for him to keep it, he'd have had him be more diligent. God obviously wanted me to have $100 in change. I could have walked off with it. Because your mind just can can work in these ways. But if you neglect the salvation, that kind of thing, and those are simplistic illustrations, but we have to know that hearing is not enough. You have to pay much closer attention to what we've heard because hearing is not enough. It is, and even we could say that um, believing isn't enough. And we might 
I wrote that to start with, I'm like, eh, it's a little provocative to say believing is not enough. But James says it. He says even the demons believe and they, they shudder in fear. So you can believe it. You can hear it. You can believe it. And it make no difference because what you're not doing is you're, you are not having faith in it. You're not trusting in Christ and his salvation. And that's different than just hearing and believing. It's like, okay, is your life, you focus so on it, but do you understand so much about it that it actually is transforming your life, that your life is being transformed by the power of the gospel? Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. Not just salvation where I get my get-out-of-hell-free card and I wake up dead and here I am before the Lord and he says why should I let you into my heaven and you say well, I don't know, somewhere I got my get out of hell free card somewhere in here and you know one time I you know I you know whatever and he'll say depart from me you worker of unrighteousness even to people who've said I've done miracles in your name he's like I didn't know you which means you didn't know me there's a difference you have to make sure that you know who it is that we're believing in him, that we have faith in him. So to have faith in something needs to put all of our trust in it. And so we have to say, for what are we trusting Christ? You know, if we're trusting in Christ, we'd say, yep, okay, what are you trusting him for? For what? And is it the get out of hell free card? Is it we're trusting him that when we die we'll escape hell? You know, that's what I'm trusting him for is it that kind of faith that kind of faith that's trusting god for that it won't even get you out of hell the kind of faith that believes in the get out of hell free card that's all this is about is salvation in heaven that kind of faith isn't going to save you so it's not even going to be that the kind of faith that's a saving faith is a faith that relies on god for everything and that's different than saying i'm just going to lay on the sofa and let god provide for me and because that what you're doing then is saying you're God and he must serve you. But the word of God says lots of things about how we're supposed to behave and laying on the sofa and waiting for somebody to feed you is not one of them. So man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every word that proceeds, that's how we live. That's what we're told to do. It's a faith that puts God first in everything. And I'm afraid too many people think that's just for certain people. It's for preachers for maybe elders and deacons, for people who are all into church, but for the average, everyday masses of people, you don't have to have all that kind of faith. But the Bible does say the way is narrow and few are those who walk therein and the path of destruction is wide. So make sure that what you're doing is paying much closer attention to what you have heard. And we all fail at times. From doing this we don't always put God first we don't always rely on him perfectly we don't always um, tell idols to to go away and that's why Hebrews tells us do we gotta pay much more closer attention to it you know you're not saved by how much attention you pay to it it's the thing the object of our attention is that thing that's able to save us and so if God is able to save us uh, and he's telling us to pay much more attention to it um, then we need to pay much more attention to it because some people drift away to sleep even when the glories of God are being expounded right in front of them in a church. 
I've been guilty of that. I mean, it makes me feel better when I see someone in my congregation falling asleep to know that I have fallen asleep under some of the greatest preachers in the world. (laughs) So it's not necessarily an indication of that I'm a boring pastor or preacher, but that sometimes the flesh is willing and the spirit or the spirit is willing and flesh is weak. Sometimes. Shame on us for that, though. We should not. You don't want to be caught you know, doing that. We're going to make sure forced attention. You have to, yeah, there are things that grab our, the thing about a television show, it's like, turn it on, there it is. I don't work for it. I sit there. I like it. The next one comes on. You got, what, 10 seconds to decide whether you're going to watch that next one or not on Netflix, and there it comes. Well, I guess I'm here again. So you just watch it again, you know, and so, and there you are. But then there's books. Some books are simple, some books are hard. Um, some things require greater work and greater attention. And, and we have to make sure that we aren't just being entertained by the gospel. Because there are times when you're going to have to put much greater effort into this. For how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? And again, it brings that Jars of Clay song. I just love that line, you know, that, the How's it, how's it start? Is it, I can't feel it. A great salvation. The people. Shouldn't bring it. Yeah, I know the line there. But what comes before that? Yeah, a great salvation through it calls to the people who can't feel the chains on their souls. You know, great salvation. So the preachers, he, he's praying and the people stare into nowhere. And, they, and a great salvation through it calls to the people who stare into nowhere and they can't feel the chains on their souls. So it's like... You, 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 we have to know who we are and we have to know what's been done for us. And if we neglect it and we don't pay attention to it, we can be deceived. So I'm concerned about the future of our church. From a human perspective, I am concerned. And I wrote three things down. One, because more people, and this is going to sound judgmental, but it's a concern. It's a judgmental concern. This is where I am. This is a concern as a shepherd for the sheep. One, I'm concerned because more people are not, and it's not just our church, other churches too, but this is my responsibility here. I am concerned because more people are not clamoring to return. I'm concerned by that, that more people are not clamoring to return, that we are much more concerned about the possible death of ourselves. Of course, I don't want to hurt other people, but I'm like, clamor for it though you need to be i need to get back i want to get back what are we doing how's it looking are we right is the governor okay to tell us we need to wait do we need to stay clamoring to get back where's the phone calls i'm getting where's the i mean some people are getting when are we getting back because i want to be able to get back i want to be able to worship and we've had some people do this and i'm not placing judgment on anybody there's there's people that haven't called me and said anything about it but we've had conversations and they know us well but Still, it's a concern. Two, because more members are not concerned about how to watch this live with us, but are content to watch, um, participate in nothing, or whatever they find on TV, whatever preacher they may like the most. Um, There are people I know that, I mean, you can watch this. It's not hard to figure out how to do it. It's able, I don't care, you can't see it, you can hear it. Um, but people aren't concerned much about it. Not everybody, but some. And three, because too many of us view church and worship like binge watching a Netflix special and it's over, now what? And I think 
it's like the Truman Show. If you ever saw the movie The Truman Show with um, Jim Jim Carrey, what's his name? I always get his name. Yeah. Jim Carrey. Um, it's a really interesting movie about a man that's uh, he's born and from his and they've set up this whole world for him and everybody's watching him on TV. So his whole life is on TV and all the people in the world, his world, are all actors. And um, and the whole world watches this thing. It's really it's an amazing global phenomenon, you know. And so everybody loves this, and he's completely oblivious to the whole thing. And uh, but then toward the end of the movie, he starts to get. Uh, I don't want to give this away, but you know, if you haven't seen it by now, you should have seen it by now. So yeah, he's he, he's beginning to clue himself into things, and uh, he's got a little catchphrase. And um, at the end, the director comes over the you know speakers. He's like God, you know, and he's like and Jim Carrey standing there saying. You know, there's a door that's open <laughs> that's dark. And, and, and he's like, you can walk into the darkness, which is actually you're going to be walking into the light. It's just you don't, you don't understand what's out there, and it's the unknown. And um, the director is trying to tell him, stay. I'm protecting you, Truman. I'm, I'm, I've, I've got you. Don't, don't go out here. And, um, and then if you Google or ask people, you know, what's the last line of the movie? Um, typically what you find is um, they'll say, he just kind of smiles and he says, well, in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. And he would say it. That was his little line. He'd say to people a lot. And he bowed and the music plays and he walks off and people are crying and stuff. And, um, but that's not the last line of the movie. <laughs> the last line of the movie are these two security guards that have been sitting there glued to their TV screens like everybody else in the world. Oh, and what the director says to Truman, because Truman's standing there, he says, well, say something. The world is listening. Or the world is watching. Truman, say something. And that's when he says, in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. But there's two security guards at the very end, and they, it's over, and it just goes, and they say, huh, what else is on? And they start flipping through channels. What else is on? That whole guy's life. And why do they care? What else is on? That's our problem. The whole life of Jesus Christ. God's whole entire plan of salvation, the whole Bible, church, all this. This is not just something we do. This is not a lecture. This is not um, entertainment. You, I've listened to preachers on TV be interviewed on the news and they're doing drive-in services. Wonderful. I'm glad they're doing it. And they'll ask them, what's the value of worship? Why does it matter? Is this really, oh, what's the word we use now? Necessary. Essential. Essential of the essence of what this is. Some governments have said you can meet but you're not doing communion because communion is not essential to your worship. It's not centered to what you do. It doesn't focus on it. And you know what a lot of preachers do? That's fine. It's not fine. None of this is fine. I'm not saying we stand in, I'm not saying we do anything. I'm saying it should be a bigger deal for people and that what we end up doing now is just saying that's fine, what's next? And we're not paying attention unless we're just mad at the government and it all becomes political. But I don't think we pay close enough attention to it. What else is on? Because, and this guy today on Fox News, they're interviewing him, a pastor, and they said, what's the value of worship? And, he, he, you know, and they're both saying, the, the guy interviewing him and the, the pastor is saying, well, they, well, the guy interviewing him actually said, I've, I went to church and it makes me feel good. Well, sometimes church ought not make you feel good. You know, it makes me feel good. It's good to get together with other people. It's good. It's uplifting to sing. And it's like, yeah, 
you're worshiping the God of the universe who created you. You're communing with him. He has commanded us to gather together. Okay, and there's a pandemic going on. It might not be wise to. Fine, but don't write that off so quickly. And don't sit at home and say, this is fine. I can watch this on TV. And then you watch it on TV, and then what's next? What are you watching next? And what Satan wants is for you just not to care. So we have to ask the question to ourselves. What else is on? What will you watch after this? What will you have your attention focused on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Sunday rolls around again to find us. I'm not the man I thought it was at all. You know, here we are again. It comes on every Sunday. You know, now it comes on all the time. You can watch, you know, back in the day, if you wanted to watch something on TV, you better get it the first time or that was it. There wasn't no going back. There were no reruns. It was just, that was it. The movie comes on. Still mad at my daddy for not letting me watch Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory when it came on TV that time. He watched some kind of history special. <laughs> but now that I'm older, I'm like, yeah, I see. I wouldn't want to watch it either. <laughs> but you miss it. You miss it. My world's not like that. All right, so here we go. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. I've already turned to it. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. Hold fast to the word I preached to you, lest you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as first importance, essential, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. First importance, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Joshua chapter 23. Old Testament. Joshua 23, the end of Joshua's life, he's saying these things to, to his people that he sees of first importance that they need to know. Joshua 23, beginning of verse 6, he says to the people, Therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left, that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you or make mention of the names of their gods or swear by them or serve them or bow down to them, but you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts to flight a thousand since it is the Lord your God who fights for you just as he promised you. But be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. For if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you and make marriages with them so that you associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap for you, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good ground that the Lord your God has given you. And now I am about to go the way of all the earth. And you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. 
all have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed, but just as all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things until he has destroyed you from off this good land that the Lord your God has given you if you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and you shall perish quickly from all the good land that he has given you. Therefore, let us not neglect what we have heard. Let us pay much closer attention lest we drift away from it because the message delivered by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It seems obvious what, what God is saying and what he's doing. And the world can get in and we don't resist the devil. We don't, we don't resist him. We actually, we, 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 we call to him to sing to us. And we have to be careful of these things. The world, the flesh, Satan are our enemies. And how does he get us? Pride, anger, jealousy, fear, lust. All these things, we believe in justification through victimization. We think that because poor, poor, pitiful me, God will save us. Uh, we believe in justification through acceptance, that God will accept me as I am because he just does that. It's like, no, it's the imputed righteousness of Christ. It's faith in Jesus Christ. The world will teach us that we can be saved through other ways than Jesus Christ. It's what Satan used to tempt Jesus Christ himself in the wilderness. And he said, I can give you the kingdom without a cross. He paid, and Jesus paid close attention. And we have to pay much closer attention unless we drift away from it. Um, these are difficult things. I point the finger at myself too. I'm not paying close enough attention to these things, but we have to pay closer attention to these things lest we drift away or it drift away from us. I'm not saying you have to rush back into church because of the pandemic. I'm not saying we don't rush back into the church in spite of the pandemic. I'm saying it needs to be of greater concern to us than it seems to be. Um, it's essential. Shut the church down. You can't shut shut church down because what it's not the building it's the people but it's not the people individually it's the people gathered individually we're christians together we're the church it means something let's pray father god i don't know what you're doing i don't know how to pray i'm glad the spirit among us prays with groanings too deep for words i'm glad jesus christ is praying intercessory prayers for that for the heretical things that come out of our mouths at times for the fact that we don't pay close enough attention for the fact that that we're content for the fact that we don't understand and we're okay with that so lord help us not fall into one error of thinking we're so bad and worthless that we we just fall into depression or another that we think we're so awesome that we just think you know we have to you have to love us because we're so lovable so lord i pray that you'll remind us of the of the gospel first things first the most essential things as we take together the lord's supper that we're reminded that um that we have to have you your physical presence 
among your people. And of course, as I say, your physical presence, I believe that the church is your physical presence in a way. That we are, we are a temple of God, being fitted together as living stones. And you feed us by your spirit. And we look forward to that today. I pray that you would convict us all of, of the drought. A drought of hearing God's word. A drought, maybe not of hearing, but of paying closer attention to and being able to commune together. So we look forward to the time when you cause that to happen in big ways again. And this we pray in Christ's name. Amen.